Hi, this is Julie Christensen with APSI. We're excited to launch the APSI Employment First, Employment for All podcast as a new way to connect with you. This podcast is a way to provide updates, real-time advocacy alerts, and information related to all things Employment First. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thanks for listening. we jump in just a few key things for our listeners to make sure that they subscribe to the podcast and share it with friends especially other APSI members or people who you know find disability and employment important but maybe aren't APSI members yet so I really hope we can share that and this story more so with that I'm so excited to talk to you today and I know you're in California we'll be talking a little bit about your involvement with the California APSI chapter but I'm just going to jump right in with you, Swad, and ask you to introduce yourself. Welcome. Hi. Thank you, Kari. My name is Swad Bisonio. I um, am the vice president of the California APSI uh, chapter, and I'm also the executive director at Integrated Resources Institute. We are a nonprofit that supports adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities to find meaningful employment in their communities. Uh, competitive and integrated employment. So everything is above minimum wage and everything is integrated in their communities. There's no group placements, um, no site, you know, everything is like mimics what society would look like. There isn't like 20 people working in a, in a building together, people with disabilities working with build, building together. We, we um, strive to move away from that and, and ensure that we don't, um, accidentally create those types of environments. Um, we also, because of the work that we did um, through Employment First in our person-centered services, we've also, uh, Integrated Resources Institute has also started independent and supported living. We saw that people were receiving this really beautiful, meaningful supports during the day, but needed that throughout their life and throughout their days. So we've been also uh, doing that. I joined Cal APSI through a recommendation of a board member um, two, uh, about a year and a half, almost two years ago. And um, I, but I've been in employment for many, many years. Um, back in 2014, um, I helped facilitate a, um, I think one of the first of its kind. It was a, a um, conference called Abilities Not Disabilities in, in Southern California, where we really uh, highlighted and spotlighted um, employment for people with disabilities and, and really pushing for that. It was a really challenging time. As you know, we were like going through like a recession and unemployment was really high during that time. So we're, we were doing our best to, to um, get that moving. And I actually did that alongside of a Cal APSI uh, president at the time, uh, Sherry Beamer. So um, small world, how that's all like my first event that I helped facilitate was also with an APSI member. Um, so I've been a part of employment and working on employment and also just overall quality of life services since 2014. And um, we, it's been a journey. Um, it's been beautiful. It's been challenging. It's been sad. It's been uplifting. Um, it's, uh, but the work never ends. And we just continue. Our APSI chapter is really pushing towards, um, you know, right now in California, it's, it's like a prime time to really make a focus on employment um, because our budget is, a, you know, there's a huge budget available for that. So there's a lot of work 
that's um, being done right now by California APSI um, to make sure that we don't lose steam. Um, specifically, Kari, I'm sure you're familiar with and many of the people listening, our, uh, our Senate Bill 639 just passed ending Woo-hoo. ending subminimum wage here in California, which is I, what a time to be alive, what a time to be a part of CalAPSI, what a time to be a part of this movement. You know, I was uh, at the nonprofit I work for, Integrated Resources Institute, our volunteer CEO and treasurer, who happen to be husband and wife, um, have been in this fight since the 80s, uh, trying to end subminimum wage practice. And so to, um, to tell them, like it was one of the, the most beautiful honors I could have done was to tell them that their work back in the 80s and 90s is finally coming to fruition. Um, it was really beautiful. But that means that work you know, lies ahead. Um, ending subminimum wage doesn't fix the problem. And I, I like to use the, the, the statement that institutions are not a place, they're a state of mind. So these places that facilitate subminimum wage contracts, um, 14C contracts, they're, if they don't change the way they think, um, not necessarily the way they operate their business, but the way they think, they're just going to create those models in integrated settings. So CalAPSI is really focusing on how do we support those entities with doing the right thing, um, with really believing in people, um, empowering people, listening to people. Um, and, and that's, I think, the hardest work that's going to be ahead of us. Uh, yeah, so I've been part of CalAPSI now for two years, and it's been really exciting. Uh, I feel uh, privileged. I, I, uh, I helped us create and streamline some like communication systems. So we're, we're able to communicate and just get things through quicker. Um, we're, we use like a platform called Slack. And so now we vote on there, get, get our letters out and, you know, you know, just do things just so, you know, technology and COVID has really been like a blessing. You know, we would have to meet in person and figure out how to do that. And now we were just like forced to pivot and, um, and we um, definitely took advantage of that pivot and just like we're able to, to move things along quicker. And it really needed it uh, because, you know, SB 639 was so quick and those hearings were so quick and um, just making sure we can, we can be at the forefront of that instead of behind it. Um, so, yeah, so I've been in, in employment since, you know, 2014 and I've seen the evolution. I've seen um, agencies begin that transformation. I was very lucky. I was a part of, I supported three agencies to make that uh, uh, transition from, you know, these day programs to more of an integrated employment focused service. Um, But it's been really wonderful. And, you know, I sit alongside of some really wonderful people at CalApps and you meet some really wonderful people um, being a part of APSI, people that have um, the same belief as you that, you know, this could this could look better or this could be better for people with disabilities when it comes to employment. And um, we're very fortunate. We have um, a member of Disability Rights California that, are, that sits on the board. Uh, we have members of the regional center. We have uh, other service providers that are doing phenomenal work. We have uh, people that are receiving supports um, and we, you know, we're continuing to look at expanding our board so that it encompasses 
a wide, of a wide array of different stakeholders that can benefit the mission. Um, but yeah, that's where, that's where we're at today. Those are really cool updates. And I think especially to hear what has happened in California over the last two years, that's a lot. That's a lot of quick movement. So mm -hmm. to see California APSI be so responsive and like you said, be at the front part of that process instead of after the fact where you can be advocating and pushing for how do we make this transition thoughtfully, not just coming from the top down. I'm curious to hear what California APSI has been doing to support some of those providers. Like you say that the transition is big. The work ahead requires significant investment. Um, how has California APSI been supporting that? So uh, we are working, um, we're going to be collaborating with state council um, soon. They're actually doing, they're responsible for the report out for SB 639. One of the first things we're doing is we're actually working with Juliet National to connect with uh, other local chapters, to schedule a meeting to connect with other local chapters, some that haven't passed um, um, like 14 and abolishing 14C subminimum wage contracts and others that have um, to see what what has worked well, what hasn't, um, so that we can see that for our rollout. Uh, our, we just had our strategic planning meeting, an all-day meeting last week, where we highlighted that um, we wanted to devote time to, towards connecting with our members and outside of that, um, outside of our member group, uh, because sometimes our members are, you know, preaching to the choir. We really need to connect with those entities. Um, and we might be able to do that through APSI or through our connections through APSI. So again, state council is going to be holding some roundtables. Um, and so how does APSI partner with them so we can provide those supports? Um, we've also been reached out to by entities just interested in what we do um, that are not other nonprofits or for-profits that realize that they need to pivot. Um, and it's really wonderful that they're reaching out to us because um, that shows um, a true intent of trying to do it the right way. Um, we have seen um, before, uh, you know, the ending of subminimum wage here in, in California, which is a five-year plan. It's not immediate. So, you know, we have time to like make sure we do this right. Um, but we don't have time to send out the proposals to the state. So they're rushing to, to make sure we get this done and document it. So we have exactly how we're going to be uh, doing um, this rollout and this process and what everybody, all these stakeholders should be expecting. So SB 639, it's, it's great that it's happening, but we had this other thing occur, which is, you know, the HCBS um, ruling and the CMS uh, ruling and the HCBS waiver where people needed to pivot, you know, agencies, providers needed to pivot to make sure that they were in compliance with the federal government, the meta, you know, the, 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 the waiver, and we saw actually a couple um, um, nonprofits or for-profits. Um, you don't have to be a nonprofit to um, work in this field. Um, but we saw a couple of them close their sheltered workshops or modify their sheltered workshop settings so they were in compliance with the ruling. But again, institutions are, state, are not a, a place or a state of mind. And what we saw is that they just recreated they, you know, they did the absolute minimum to be in compliance with the law. People's quality of lives look the same. 
there was the same glass ceiling. Um, their their um, people were still being treated like children, you know, with their cubbies at the building, and then they go out in the community for an hour, and then they come back to the sheltered workshop setting. Um, that sounds like a Slack message. Was that California yeah. AFSI? <laughs> it was actually Teams, but but I will be getting. I have two alerts on Slack right now that I need to get to. Um, uh, but it's actually uh, on that note, um, transitioning. But yeah, let me just finalize with that. It's, you know, we want to make sure we we already saw what happened with the HCBS ruling and how agencies just pivoted enough to be in compliance with the law, um, but really haven't changed their way of thinking. And how do we make sure that doesn't happen again? Uh, and so APSI has been, California APSI has been really highlighting to all stakeholders that are involved in implementation that we need to consider quality of services and what that looks like um, and how we can measure that. And, you know, ironically, DDS, Department of Developmental Services, did a, um, like a quality assessment uh, audit of providers that are doing this, you know, trying to be in compliance with HCBS and Ironically, we were audited, uh, our, our, our nonprofit, and the questions that were being asked were geared towards site-based day programs. And they were like, is the consumer, uh, does the consumer have access to the restroom whenever they want? And I was like, if they're working, I don't like, it depends on the employment site. I don't know how to answer these questions. Is there cameras, you know, everywhere? Or And I was like, yeah, if they're working at a retailer, there are cameras everywhere. And I was like, they like the 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 system doesn't even recognize employment being an option for the HCBS question. So we're de- also dealing with an archaic system that needs to evolution and evolving. Um, and what a time to be alive because they are being forced to change. You know, there's funding in the budget allowing them to change and giving them the funds that are needed for them to change. They're having work groups and stakeholder meetings and figuring out how to make those changes. So it's, it's, it's really exciting. Um, it's just making sure that the people that are facilitating and engaging in those work groups, um, some of them are APSI members, which are exciting because we know that, that we can make sure that employment stays at the forefront. But, um, but there's, you know, we attended, we listened to the SB 639 hearings and it was awful. You know, there was uh, legislators that were talking about how there is a program in this area that provides this service and it's meaningful. And those poor kids, and I was like, those aren't kids, those are adults. Um, But those site-based programs have lobbyists, they have connections, they have relationships with the funder. And so we'll still end up sitting on those meetings and those agencies are making sure that they're, they have enough strength and enough pull legislatively through the DDS system to make sure that their service day status quo, that change doesn't happen. Um, so, so, you know, it's actually taking, you know, we our strategic planning meeting. We just talked about the amount of time we're devoting um, towards this and it's a lot. Like, you know, we, we tell our, you know, our board members, it takes about, you know, average about eight hours per week that you're devoting to being a, I mean, not eight hours, eight hours a month that you're devoting to being an, (laughs) I know your eyes lit up eight hours a month to be a Calapsy board member, but it's feeling much more than that. 
Um, I fortunately, you know, the work that I do lives and breathes Calapsi's mission. So it, it works, but, um, but that's where we're seeing that we need to expand our board. We just don't have enough people to manage the amount of work that's needed right now. Um, yeah. And so one of the ways that we've, you know, to, to transition into, you know, communication, how we keep the board running is we used to just like email each other back and forth when I first started and how exhausting that was trying to like keep track of the email chains and to, to just make sure we didn't miss anything and waiting for everybody to respond to approve a vote or having to wait till a meeting occurs. So we can approve this like letter that needs to go out. And so um, we, uh, we had a, um, we decided in 2020 um, when I joined the board um, to, we needed to break this down. Like we couldn't just rely on the one month meeting. We needed to have um, uh, groups that really focused and emphasized specific areas of need for Calapsi. And one of them was like this project management, uh, like structural committee that I was part of. And so we moved from email chains to Slack, which is all inclusive. Um, it's free for chapters, you know, unless you're adding 15 different integrations, it's available for free. And um, and then we created like these channels. So we had, you know, a policy, a policy channel and a um, communications channel. And so we were able to just capture that those items in those channels. And then when things got really, you know, the needs of uh, policy is so expansive and that was still too much. So we had to create a channel specifically for Senate Bill 639 so we can just keep our hands on that and, you know, make sure we didn't lose sight of that. Um, There's a huge thing happening in California that is the implementation of the Burns and Associate Rates Study. Um, And a couple states have gone through this rate study. Um, but employment services are not necessarily recognized <laughs> in this rate study. Supported employment model is, but employment is provided across all different services. Um, and so we're working um, with the state of California to make sure it uh, treats employment services with equity um, and funds it with equity because right now some like some service models for employment are paid $20 less an hour than supported employment. And um, it's becoming more and more of a challenge. And, you know, agencies don't pivot to that employment service because why would they go from getting paid, you know, and if we need to go into breakdowns, why would they, would they go from getting paid $40 an hour for one staff for four clients to $27 an hour for one staff to one client when now their overhead is so much more. They have to manage that much more staff. They have to hire on that much more managers and it's less per hour. So if we treated employment services with equity in the state, um, I think we would see a lot more agencies pivot towards providing customized and integrated employment. So uh, Calapsi's got its hand on that and we have a channel for it on Slack, bring it back. That's why we have it for Slack. Um, and then we also have voting on there that the voting process between all the board members can sometimes take time. And so now when we have something we need to vote on or a channel wants, you know, a channel, 
I call them channels now, but if we have a group that, you know, creates a policy statement or, you know, needs to do something, they present that information, uh, attach it to that voting channel, give people 48 hours to vote on it, and we can get things done. Um, So that's been really wonderful, just knowing we can get things done. Um, And especially when it's moving so fast, you have to be responsive. It sounds like there is so much going on that that really helps support that. Yeah. I totally applaud Cal Apsi for taking up that charge and figuring out some yeah. ways of task and board management that work and that are quick. Yeah. And it really, I think we, we had a meeting and it, and all these channels didn't necessarily come to fruition without like us coming back as a board. And it's like, this isn't working. And I was like, okay, so how do we fix it? Let's talk about how we fix it. And that was like the creation of the voting channel. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really important to really look at like what's not working or what could we do better or like, you know, think, thinking smarter, not harder. Like, man, that took too long. You know, why did we have to wait a month to vote until the next board meeting? Um, we, that doesn't seem good. Like that doesn't seem good. Like I think there was a, a position that was being requested from us early on when I joined the board and it took us a month. And by the time we got to meet to vote on it, they had already submitted their position. So we lost the opportunity to be a part of something that was really beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I know that other chapters are always looking for how they can do that more effectively. So to hear like Cal Apsi is like, yeah, doing it. I think it's just such a good example to share with other chapters that there are ways to do this work, like you said, smarter and not work harder and miss out on opportunities to weigh in on employment when that voice is needed. Your state chapter is such a strong voice for it that to miss out on that simply because of like bureaucracy, that stinks. You know, like that's missing huge opportunities. So yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Well, thanks for sharing about what's going on in California. Obviously, I think we need to do follow up and hear more later on once those work groups get going and um, the five years. So that's over the next five years into over the next five years. Well, effective immediately, there will be no new subminimum wage contracts. So we know that's great. Nobody is moving from transition programs or high schools and into these, Okay, you know, you know, forever. I mean, the data showed like when people get put in these sheltered workshop settings, they never make it out. Like there was no, it was not never a stepping stone. Um, and so, um, so that's the five-year plan is fading out current um, providers. And there's a lot of people, I think at the hearing, they kept on emphasizing 11,000 people are going to be left jobless. And I was like, those aren't jobs. Stop calling them jobs. Um, I think we're all like, you know, and that was really wonderful with Slack too, is it was like live commentary. We'd all be at the, like listening to the hearing and like doing crying emojis because we just heard somebody talk about somebody with a disability as a child. So it was like, yeah. who is this legislator? Who's in their uh, catchment area? Who can meet with him to educate him? Um, but it's, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate, you know, they had lobbyists, um, you know, SB, the opposition for SB 639 had lobbyists to like persuade um, these legislators to, to um, vote, against the bill, but what was really beautiful is we had some really powerful statements from 
um, legislators that really made it a civil rights issue and really presented it as such. And it is, and it has been, um, you know, I, I went to the dentist before this and I'd share them, uh, shared with my dental hygienist a little bit about like what was happening and how people were being paid $2 an hour. And I think when we work with outside or tell people outside of our bubble, um, that that's happening, they're like, I can't believe that. That's that should be illegal. But it's this little within our bubble that like it's acceptable. Like somehow the disability community or the disability providers are like, yeah, that's what we do. But anybody outside of that bubble is just like, that's atrocious. That's disgusting. How can we let this happen? And funny story is my sister went in for treatment and she works in the field. Didn't tell her we were related. And my sister tells the dental hygienist like, oh yeah, I work with people with disabilities and the dental hygienist like, oh my God, one of my patients just told me this horrible story about how people with disabilities are being paid $2 an hour. And my sister's just laughing. She's like, that's probably my sister. Um, But to me, that's how like impactful that information is. It's like, we need, and if we're dealing with any chapters that are, you know, battling SB or, you know, similar SB 639, sub-minimum wage 14C, it's like, stop trying to work within our bubble, expand beyond that. As soon as the general population hears about what's happening, they are outraged. So use them to be your support and your alliance as well. Well, I'm glad that you can, you know, essentially evangelize your dentist to become an employment first advocate. I totally get it. I'm the same way. Like I talked to my dentist last week about it and, you know, I, I understand, but I agree. Once you start talking to people outside the field, it's like, why are people with disabilities just like consigned to accept less? That's not the way the system should work for anyone. So I totally agree and hear that. Um, and really cool to hear that legislators were willing to take up the mantle of this is a civil rights issue mm-hmm. and what happens next and the planfulness of, of moving away from that. But I hope that people listening to the podcast took away some great nuggets of advice and stories. I, I've loved talking to you and hope that you'll join us again on the podcast. But again, Cal Apsi is doing some cool things. So I hope people check it out. You guys have anything else coming up soon that people should make sure they're aware of? We're doing these uh, like social hours, like happy hour events where we're inviting people to attend. Um, I think there's one coming up. I don't have the exact date, but we'll be updating our website shortly with some of those details. Perfect. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Um, we are, you know, we have somebody that loves TikTok and all of that. So she's posting um, these events on there as well. Very cool. We were talking in Iowa about we need to recruit some of our board members' children to do TikTok for us. So (laughs) that's great. All right. Well, very good to talk to you and hope people will subscribe, share the podcast, and yeah, keep sharing that employment first word. Appreciate it. Thank you, Kari.